Here it is. It's fourth and 26. McNabb is back. He's looking. He is firing, and it is caught by Freddie Mitchell. Short of the first. I don't know if he get it. Does he have a first down? He does. He does have a first down. He's across midfield, and he's into Packer territory at the 46. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. 426, a holy day in the city of brotherly love. Hi and hello and welcome to the newest episode of Minus 3, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever that season may be, for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win. And of course, go all the way. Go FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three when you're betting on FanDuel and follow along at minus three pod. And spread the good word to your pals. Download, subscribe, all that jazz. How are you, Eddie Spaghetti? What's the poop, fella? It's NFL Draft Week. Yeah, I need I need two things to happen for the draft. Uh, number one being that Mac Jones does go third because uh, in our extra points fantasy league, I did bet on that one. So that would be really, really great. And then the number two thing is for the Giants just to take a good player. Just take somebody who's going to be good. That's what I really want. Best available. It's largely a myth that teams end up doing that. Even the teams that are that, that claim that that's what they do. You can go back through their last 10 years or so and realize that it's a here and now league. Now people, you, you don't as much draft for the future. If you're smart, at least year to year, that's what the NFL has become. In the meantime, there are other sports going on. Um, the Nets atop the Eastern conference, the Sixers right behind them there. And the New York Knickerbockers, a four seed, the Penguins, ones are atop the eastern division there oh it's so juicy every night a great game the caps bruins and islanders all right there with them uh with less than two weeks until the playoff puck drops there jacob Degrom rolling on a historic level the metropolitans are in first place the yankees are at last the pittsburgh pirates like goldilocks just right or at least ahead of schedule for where he expected them to be right in the middle of the pack of their division eddie spaghetti though as a new york sports fan How say you? This is uh, an uncertain time for you because, like I say, you don't like the Mets. You do like the Yankees, but the Knickerbockers are playing outside themselves. The Rangers are on the outside of the playoffs, but the future is bright there. Where's your feeling right now? You feeling happy, optimistic for the next five years, or are you a little down in the dumps? No, no, I feel pretty good. I mean, I'll... I'm pretty good at knowing like the pulse uh, of the people of New York and what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I will say the buzz, like the electricity, the excitement that the Knicks being good brings is a different kind of energy that you don't really get. It's like, it's something about the Knicks. You're just playing it, you know, playing in the garden in the heart of the city that gets people going when the Knicks are good. It's, it's more fun and having a team that's, you know, really well coached by Tibbs who, you know, was part of some of those Knicks nineties teams that everyone loved. It brings a special energy. Obviously not everyone is a huge diehard and, uh, you know, NHL fan. So the Knicks kind of mean more, bigger fan base uh, for New Yorkers. So it's a great thing to see them streaking. I believe they're at plateau at nine games now in a row. And uh, Julius, Randall is is you know the biggest surprise guy you know everyone was talking about getting KD in there getting Kyrie Irving in there no one really thought no Julius uh, Julius Randall is gonna be the guy that turns this whole this whole franchise around he was a guy who was like an extra piece of the Lakers didn't really think too much about it people actually didn't even like the contract going in and now you have this guy who's a, a bona fide stud and it's it's great and you know they have some other good young pieces with quickly and rj barrett so it's definitely a fun time the other team that plays in the garden uh you know the rangers everyone knows their time to shine it wasn't really supposed to be this season uh, a couple unexpected things happen you know with mika zibanejad with covid and uh, obviously the whole putin bread man thing that we've talked about a few times here on minus three you know, if you get rid of those things, it could have gone a little bit different. You might have some players in the heart, um, world tra- a trophy race hunt, and the Rangers might be in the playoffs. But I think going, you know, next year going forward, they're going to be serious contenders. So not not all is lost. Are the Yanks going to turn it around, though, Spaghetti? I mean, the well, Red Sox are in are the Red Sox are in first place. We're looking up at them. That's as unexpected that as the Yankees being down there with the O's. No good. It seems like some of the bats are waking up. I mean, if Garrett Cole could pitch every day instead of every five days, it'd be great because uh, we he had that match versus Shane Bieber that we spoke about last week, and I was kind of nervous for that one, but he had to get it done, and he did get it done. And I'm not going to say he's on DeGrom's level right now because DeGrom is uh, he's a mutant, that guy. But Cole is pitching as good as anyone really outside of him, and he got the Yankees a much-needed win, which is big uh, when you have two aces going head-to-head. So that was great to see. And, I, you know, they'll – 
I've mentioned it before. Their World Series years in April, they were struggling. They were slow. They're going to get some guys back. Uh, I know there was some defensive woes and guys just not even swinging the bat, like just taking a lot of called three strikeouts, and you don't want to see that. And I think they're going to start figuring it out. Who knows if this offseason for them was strange with the, you know, the different uh, type of spring training with the COVID protocol. So maybe they're slowly getting into, you know, game shape now going forward. I, I trust the Yankees and and thank thank the heavens for uh, Garrett Cole just being uh, an ace. Well, I'll tell you what, we, uh, we're going to have a lot of time to focus in on baseball and the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. It's draft week right now. Do me a quick favor, though, because if you're not paying attention to the East Division in hockey, do it in front of the playoffs. And in the meantime, I call me a homer, Eddie Spaghetti, if you want to. I don't think I am a homer. We've debated it before. It doesn't get in the way of what I think is going to happen. I want to see something happen. That doesn't mean I necessarily think it's going to happen. One thing I'm starting to think, though, and laugh all you want, is that Sidney Crosby should maybe be the MVP. He should maybe win the Hart Trophy. I'm going to tell you about the NFL draft real quick and what you can do and how you can be a winner um, thanks to FanDuel around the NFL draft. But while I do that, Eddie Spaghetti, be a deer and give me the latest odds on Sidney Crosby to win the N- MVP. In terms of statistics, of course, he's well behind Connor McDavid, but I can make a p- uh, powerhouse case. Um, here's a powerhouse case to get onto FanDuel, ASA, AMP in front of the NFL draft because the 2021 draft is here. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking up new users with 20 to 1 odds on Trevor Lawrence to be drafted first overall. That's right. I have not heard anything that would make me think Trevor Lawrence isn't the first. You've known for at least a year Trevor Lawrence was going first over, overall, and now you can get 20 to 1 odds that confirm that he is, in fact, going to be drafted first overall. That means a $5 bet wins you $100 when you bet on that projected number one pick. It's the biggest lock of the draft. Put an extra $100 in your pocket just for betting on it. To claim this offer, all you have to do, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using the promo code minus three. Again, it's the word minus the number three. You can also make all sorts of different bets in there once you get there. Mac Jones is going to fall outside the top three, I think. Good odds there at plus uh, 210. Get in on that one. Um, I, I think that's a gem. Devontae Smith at 11 there. Is he falling outside the top 11? That's an intriguing one to bet on. I do like Najee Harris or at least a running back going in the first round of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's an interesting one to, uh, to bet on. Just make sure you use the promo code when you go to FanDuel. Minus three is the way you do that. Um, and Eddie Spaghetti, before we jump to the ringer draft guru, Danny Kelly, Let's uh, bring it on home here. Sidney Crosby, Hart Trophy odds. How say you? Yeah, it seems like they have Crosby at plus 1,100. He's in uh, the third spot right now behind Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, who, again, back to our extra points, Fantasy League is a guy picked two in the heart. So, if it, hey, if it can't be Mika Zibanejad or uh, uh, the breadman, Artemi Panarin, I'm, I'm fine with uh, with McDavid getting it. Crosby is close, though. He's closing in. Uh, he made a nice stretch run there, but it seems like there's two guys ahead of him. I listen, I get it. And, you know, based on merit and point totals and everything else, McDavid is blowing away the field. But I will say, look at the injuries. Look at the at the games lost from not just any player. I'm talking about from some of the Penguin stars over the course of this year. And they're in first place in the toughest division in the whole league. Uh, you know, it, it's an MVP worthy season and whether or not he's going to get it. So if you believe in merit, I, I would say throw a little something on 87, maybe in these last couple of weeks, he'll uh, close the deal. They win the division and the Oilers wind up in third place. I think you can make a compelling case of not who's better, who's more valuable to their team that you could go with 87. All right, listen, Let's uh, let's dispatch with the puck talk and otherwise for now and dive in on the NFL draft with uh, one of our favorite guys on social media and beyond. Make sure you're listening to him all over the place on the ringer and reading his great work. It's Danny Kelly. What's the poop, fellow? <laughs> What's happening, man? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Of course, we enjoy your work. Like I say, the NFL draft guide is out from the ringer NFL uh, fantasy show. Make sure you're checking that one out. The ringer NFL show. Great stuff. Of course. In fact, I've even participated on that one with, uh, (laughs) with Cole Wright and Ryan Shazier once or twice. Um, How's everything shaking out for you? Do you understand? Are you clear that you're not supposed to take a running back in the first round? (laughs) 
That's one of the things that you're not allowed to do anymore. Um, Y'all said here now, this is your big week for you, Dan. I know it's uh, it's a little nerve wracking. I'm still trying to figure out who the 49ers are supposed to be taking here at number three. I, I to me that is the pivot point of the draft, and I have uh, exactly zero clue who it's going to be. Uh, I can talk myself into basically three, all three guys: Mac Jones, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, and I and I have no logic to explain any of the three of them. Well, I mean, I guess you have to be some sort of a sleuth to divine or or like body language expert. Yeah, I always like body language experts. They're they're not. I, I we haven't uh, we don't have enough evidence yet to to condemn them on the level. Of like <laughs> I think it's funny. Draft expert is a fraudulent business. You mm. know, I mean, like, and I'm not talking about us. I'm not talking about <laughs> you and me as pundits. I'm talking oh, about okay. the people who do it. I'm talking about the guys who get paid by one of the 32 NFL teams to be a dr- they're like, I'm a personnel guy. Like they get it right about like 58% of the time. This is expertise. Um, and dream and dream analysts. That's also fraudulent. Mm. Like, you know, you die. If you die in your dream, you die in real life. Says who? How are they going to prove you wrong? We would never be able to prove you right or wrong on that one. So I, but for, for the record, I think it's Trey Lance at three and cousin Mm -hmm. Sal and I were talking on extra points about this. The way to play this then is if you're looking for the savviest bet, cousin Sal landed on this. How do you feel about this? Danny Kelly bet Mac Jones plus three and a half in terms of draft slot. You can get it right now at plus two ten. So if you think it's Trey Lance, but maybe it's going to be Justin Fields, but you definitely don't think it's going to be Mac Jones at three, that's the smart bet there mm-hmm. because you get slightly better odds than betting Trey Lance to the Niners. Oh, that's sneaky. Three. How I do you like feel that. about that? I think that's good. Uh, and I bet Trey Lance, like really, like right when they made the trade, I think it was like minus a thousand or something like that. Did uh, you really? Wow. So that was my first thing. And so like, I'm kind of like hoping it's Trey Lance, but I, I like, as we get closer and closer to this, there's so much smoke. I like legitimately can't tell what's real and what's not. And I'm also kind of convinced it's actually going to be Justin Fields <laughs> just because like, if you're the 49ers and we, you know, we spent a month talking about how, you know, they're either going to take Mac Jones or Trey Lance, Mac Jones or Trey Lance. Like that doesn't make the New York jets think twice, right? Like they're just like, okay, we're good. We're going to take Zach Wilson. But if we spend a month, talking about how Justin Fields is going to be the next great NFL quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's going to be amazing. He's going to do incredible things. It's a perfect fit. Maybe the Jets are like, wait a minute. Shouldn't, shouldn't we be thinking about Justin Fields a little bit? Maybe we're, maybe we're getting this one wrong. So maybe that, like I, I saw uh, NFL.com fantasy guy, Michael, uh, Michael Florio was kind of like galaxy brain taking this. Like maybe they just don't want the Jets to change their mind. <laughs> I don't know. I so think I can, it makes- I can, Yeah. It makes sense in that, you know, why why would Kyle Shanahan throw up any smoke screens? I think that is the answer to it. Right. Because we don't know just because it's been reported repeatedly that it's definitely Zach Wilson to the Jets. That Joe Douglas is still allowed to change his mind. So right. <laughs> all bets could conceivably be off. I want to do something with you here. And like okay. I say, we keep it focused. Uh, we try to focus in. Uh, where the NFL is concerned on the AFC East, the AFC North, and the NFC East. But, of course, we look at the entire uh, the entire football America landscape. Um, but this does relate to the Jets, and you're a Seahawks fan mm-hmm. through and through. We've asked this to our mutual pal, Mina Kimes. Now I ask you, at this point, at this stage of his career, I think Russell Wilson leaving the Seahawks makes sense if you're Russell Wilson. I also think it makes sense if you're the Seahawks on some level. I know you never give up having one of the guys that everybody is chasing. But at this stage, as constituted with the look of that rest of that division, I feel like the Jets would be more likely to say no to Russell Wilson at that dollar amount than rebooting the whole thing and getting a rookie, getting a a QB, a high end, presumably rookie um, on his rookie deal. Um, do, do, do you, do you see the merit in that? Or do you think I'm absolutely logo loco from a Seattle fans POV? You, are you talking about for this season for 2021? Yes. Wow. Yes. So, cause I'm kind of, I'm, I'm definitely buying into this idea that Russell Wilson is not going to finish his career in Seattle. And like they're, they're headed towards a divorce eventually, but I don't think it's going to happen this season. And so you're, you're, positing that like the Seahawks should trade uh, Russell Wilson to the Jets for number two you think that would be better for them well 
I mean, obviously things ain't great between Pete <laughs> Carroll and Russell Wilson. I mean, you, you don't ask to get traded a couple of times in three years if that's not the case. Right, I right. could see that. I, I, I just, it makes sense too, if you look at it, um, if from a 21st century perspective, it's diminishing returns. Even when you have a first ballot Hall of Famer at QB, the deeper they get into their career, because uh, uh, again, my assumption is it's the amount of uh, a salary cap that he's sucking mm-hmm. up. Right. Um, you know, he's he's kind of gone over the high point of that uh, of that math, and now he's consuming so much of the the salary cap on a roster that probably maybe we'll see what happens but the Niners look better yeah we'll see what they do at QB and certainly the Rams look better and the Cardinals are coming too doesn't it <laughs> yeah. make sense to reboot the whole thing if you can give up <laughs> the two and get say Justin Fields I know it'd be a bummer to say goodbye to your hero Russell yeah. Wilson, but yeah. doesn't that kind of make sense I mean, I think you could talk yourself into that. So I would say no. Like my first reaction is no, the Seahawks are going to win 10 games again this year and go to the playoffs and have a chance and and all that stuff. It's like it happens every season. Um, But at the, at the same time, it is, I mean, if you can get the number two pick and and take Justin Fields, that's probably not going to happen next year or whatever. You know, this is a specific scenario where you're, you know, adding this play, like you're not just giving him up for, theoretical picks you're like giving up russell wilson for just there are other spots you could trade in there yeah spaghetti likes to interrupt me with with the reality check of that the jets aren't on russell wilson's trade list i think he would he would go to new york yes i think he would i also think (laughs) as a human being like if schneider comes to you and says like hey we have a deal in place to to move you from this organization you'd be like well if you don't want me then fine i'm gonna go somewhere else anyway it was like nope (laughs) I refuse and I'm staying to spite you. Like, I just don't think that that's the way that goes down, but all right, let's, let's, uh, like I say, move more towards the Northeast (laughs) after one more question. Okay. Are you going to be a Kraken fan? Oh yeah. I'm excited about this. So I, I full disclosure, I don't follow hockey currently and I've fallen sort of out of love with the NBA since the Sonics moved. And um, so I don't follow that closely either. I'm sort of just like my bandwidth is all like on football. That's the way you should do it. I hail you. (laughs) I don't like when people, the weirdos who continue to root for a team after they dump you is talk about self-esteem issues. How, how down on yourself do you have to be to be like, I know, I know they dumped me and got remarried to another guy, but I'm still in. Definitely not rooting for the thunder. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm. I think I'm. I'm very excited for it to come here. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to, uh, like, you know, ignite the the Seattle passion. I think that Seattle has always like wanted a hockey team. It's like been a thing that 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 the people here want, um, and especially kind of like having it'll be a cool rivalry with Vancouver. Yeah, um, all that stuff. I know. I've I had a chance to go to a Canucks game last year or before the pandemic started, before the borders closed, um, and. You know, because I I'm I'm actually up in Bellingham, so I'm just south of the border, and so I can just go right up to to Vancouver pretty easily. And and man, the the like the feel, like the energy, it's just so cool. Like Canada, obviously, just loves hockey. It's like their sport. Um, so I'm I'm very that, excited yeah. to like have you know some version of that in Seattle and have like that energy, the 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 glow or whatever, the excitement. It's gonna be really fun. So um you know. I'm I'm very excited about it. Hopefully I can actually get to go to some games and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I think we're heading in that direction. And by the way, I also advocate take the Anaheim ducks out of orange County, Southern California does not need two <laughs> NHL teams. <laughs> right, take the ducks, right. move them to Portland. And now that we're really be, cooking yes. with gas on the yes. left coast, but in the East coast, it's already marvelous and intense stuff. Watch the Eastern yeah. division, get, get your brain, right. Tell everybody in Washington <laughs> state, to start watching that East division in the yep. NHL for the next six weeks. Cause uh, it's a splendid rivalry, the kind of heat that you crave. If you're a sports fan who, Absolutely. who enjoys the bloodlust. Um, all right, <laughs> let's get into the question then that I started the show with. It's the thing everybody's talking about your team. Uh, the Seahawks took Rashad Penny. What was that now? Three years ago. That hasn't, exa- yeah. or was that two years ago? That hasn't. Exa- three years. Up. And you know, it's got a stink on it. And I suppose, 
to me, that's maybe the number one argument rather than the X's and O's of it. It's the the injury risk factor with running backs more so than with uh, quarterbacks or most other positions out there. That said, where do you stand? Are are you crazy? Do you, are you are you a moron who shouldn't be allowed in a in a war room if you would ever consider drafting a running back in the first round, no matter the circumstance? <laughs> I'll say you. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say you're a moron, but I don't think it's a good process at all. So it's funny because when the Seahawks took uh, Rashad Penny, and I, and I really can't remember now, it's been like two years or three years, whatever. Well, that um, when, year, right. This last year has thrown everything out of whack. You don't know if everything. <laughs> no concept. 18 yeah. months ago or 18 years ago. It's unclear. Somewhere in that <laughs> range. Right. Um, but when they took him, they very specifically said, and, and I remember this in the post-draft press conference, that they gave him like their highest grade possible on durability. They have like a, a system where they like mm. grade guys durability. He had like X amount of carries. He never was banged up. Like whatever it is they found out, you know, they gave him a really high grade on durability. And then he immediately, I think, broke his hand in training camp, the, like immediately upon getting there. Um, and then I think he kind of like, that like initial training camp is going to be very important for a lot of rookies. Like you get yourself integrated into the offense, all that stuff. And then he lost his job to a seventh round running back, Chris Carson. Uh, he w- finally got back and then he tore his ACL, like a bad ACL tear, you know? And so like, it, he's basically been injured for the vast majority of his career. It feels like. And so like that alone, like, taking a running back in the first round, regardless of whether he has a high durability grade or not, like, you're just, it's a position that gets injured. Like you're going to run into that. And number two, like running backs just don't move the needle when it comes to wins and losses, really. Like you can have a great running back and it's not going to make you a great team. I think the only, I guess the only argument that you could make in, ter- in terms of going with a running back is if you feel very strongly that they're going to be a good solid player and a good starter for you. Um, it's better than having a miss, like a complete bust, I suppose, like at a pass rush or, or receiver mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so I guess it would be convincing yourself that there's this floor that you can get, you can get a starter for four years plus the fifth year option at a reasonable cost. It, to me, it's more of a financial question than like, it's not going to put you over the top for, as a team. I, t- I see. That's a funny, it's funny. Cause I would kind of, that's the, um, particular thing that I, I, I question a little bit and I, you know, I'm completely shooting from the hip and, you know, going, going with God, I'm not going to get into, into your numbers and compete with you on, on that level. You snob. I'm just going to go with the, with my heart and gut on the sure. subject. Um, yes. There's Javid best, you know, who's, who was out of the league. David Wilson was mm-hmm. a first round pick. Trent Richardson, specifically the high first picks that were were three or something. Yeah. The worst ones were, you know, um, Trent Richardson looms to me as, as the very worst and Saquon Barkley is right there too. And the reason is what those two teams have in common is, is that they were so far away from being Super Bowl competitive that that was a reach. I do think it's a finishing piece. If you're assessing, you know, uh, you know, what he can add in terms of wins. I feel like that's that there's some funny math at play there because if you do it <laughs> as a finishing team, if he's a finishing piece for a contending team, obviously he's not going to wildly impact your total wins over the course of the season, but he might be the difference right. in, in making you an actual contender for the final four versus being a, a borderline playoff team. And I always point to, um, you know, I think, by the way, see, I, I wrote these ones down. CMC is a mistake on the same level as Saquon Barkley and Trent Richardson um, obviously has outperformed them in spades, but it doesn't impact ultimately the win loss total. They're right. too far away. Josh Jacobs is the same thing. Conversely, the big three, I would point to, Leonard Fournette was not a mistake, no matter how much people want to convince you mm. and themselves he was, because can you argue with the results of his rookie season? I mean, he almost ran them into a Super Bowl against the yeah. Eagles. And if Miles Jack's uh, scoop and score, whatever you want to call it, had counted, that would have been a victory. And I don't, there would be no <laughs> argument, no matter what happens after that season, if they get to the Super Bowl, win or lose, that's a successful draft pick. The mistake was running it back because they had a good defense, they had a great defense, they had mm-hmm. a power run game, and they thought 
don't touch anything. We've got to run it back with Blake Bortles, even though we know that's what they should have right, done was right. taking Lamar Jackson and completely disrupted the entire AFC, taking Lamar Jackson off the Ravens and put him on the Jags, and then uh, chaos ensues. Uh, maybe it's the Ravens looking at Trevor Lawrence right now. Um, but either way, the mistake was not the Leonard Fournette pick. It was then succeeding with Leonard Fournette and saying, <laughs> run it back with Blake Bortles. We can do this again, yeah. One, Zeke Elliott, two, no one balked it at, at keeping Zeke Elliott by the end of his his rookie deal. The mistake was signing him to the second deal. Um, and even Todd Gurley, again, you have to adjust your eyes and expectations. 12-year running backs with pristine health records, maybe not. But Todd Gurley did run him to a Super Bowl, and I think that's got to be worth it. And you've got to say that was a quality use of the first-round pick to get Todd Gurley, even though he, he's not still on the Rams and and uh, is, is pretty much, with all due respect, used up as an NFL football player now. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's and that's the mistake a lot of teams made. And, and with Gurley and I, I can't remember what Chris McCaffrey's deal is, but it might have happened with him too. Like teams went out and re-signed them early. Yeah. Like why why are you doing that early? At least wait until they're up for a new contract. I mean, um, so yeah, I think it's it's the and I personally believe like it's a massive, massive difference between taking the top ten running back and taking a running back in like the twenties or thirty like late 20s or 31 32 yes, right know? like massive massive difference like the the late first round thing i can get it's not like a huge it's not a, a franchise changing thing but i think taking a guy and then re-signing them early for whatever reason i don't know why you would do that um that to me is the massive massive mistake and we saw that with Gurley. like they had to you know before he even i think started his new contract they're like okay he's he's lost it so um just don't re- don't like you know if you're a smart NFL team you're not going to like re-sign a guy before his contract is up. In fact, you probably want to push it, use the fifth year option, then maybe franchise him six years, and then you know see what happens from there. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> I think in the copycat league that extends into GM and and I think that they teams maybe still are a little spooked by how the Levy and Bell uh-uh. Pittsburgh Steelers divorce went down and they and they're, <laughs> yeah, they're looking to avoid that but obviously true. they're cutting their nose to spite their face when they do that because now hey good good news uh Panthers now you got CMC on the books for several more years and you're jammed yeah. up at, at that position unnecessarily so I I, I really do uh, it, it's not a per, it's, none of it is perfect math it, it is all <laughs> speculative right. on some level so the notion that you're you're insane the the debate of whether the Pittsburgh Steelers are legitimately mm. capable of winning a Super Bowl in 2021, I suppose, is a legitimate question. But if they perceive themselves to be a contender, at least in their division, if the math goes, hey, you win your division, you get a home playoff game, anything, yeah, and you're in the happen. dance, we yeah. can find our way into a Super Bowl. If you can, if you can indulge that level of um, of optimism as the GM or as the the personnel department, I don't think it's crazy if the Steelers is a for instance, since they're the team that you're hearing the most yeah, about. Yeah. They're not the Oakland Raiders drafting Josh Jacobs. They're much closer to the Patriots drafting Sony Michelle, which right. even that one people will point out as a mistake. I say they don't win that Super Bowl in 2018 if they hadn't <laughs> made that draft. So yeah. all right, let's get into this, Danny Kelly. I want to I want to hear right. your thoughts on this. I love doing this. Every couple few years, we've had Daniel Jeremiah, Lance Zerline, I forget who else, but now we have Danny Kelly doing it. I find it in an instructive way to pretend that every pro football team has the first overall pick. Yeah, It, it, it speaks to organizational differences and tastes and team needs in the, in the moment. Obviously, it's a quarterback league. Most teams are going to take a quarterback, but I think there's some interesting players on the board this year that are non-QBs. So let's do it this way. Let's pretend every team or the teams I named to you, at least, sure. have the first overall pick, and you tell me where you think they would go. And let's start it off. We know that Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jags, so we don't need to do it there. If the Jets had the first overall, <laughs> can we safely say it's still Trevor Lawrence? Yes. And I think that is like, we're, we're always going to remember, like they lost the race, you know, for last or for the work for the first pick. And um, I think the drop off from Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson is pretty, pretty mar- like pretty massive. Um, so if I, if I'm the jets, 
sitting there at number one, like Trevor Lawrence, no doubt in my mind is the guy. So uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence. And I'll try not to do Trevor Lawrence for all these because he's clearly like a special prospect. Um, but yeah, I think for, for the Jets in particular, since they were, they were on the tanker Trevor track for so long. And then, you know, they, they, that derailed. Um, I think it's a, it's a very significant thing for them because Trevor Lawrence to me is a much better prospect. You're uh, you're a free thinker. The you on social media with your galaxy brain and everything else. That's all <laughs> I need to know about it to know that that's the case. Yeah. Um, with you, do you buy? Do you do you find it remarkable that how, how do you regard the um, the rise of Zach Wilson in this draft process? I mean, five yeah. months ago, you know. The, uh, a, a casual college football fan wouldn't have known who Zach Wilson even was. Now it's clear cut and you're crazy if you don't see it, you know, to right, a, a right. lot of the, a lot of the experts. I feel like there's this, there's this uh, peer pressure to, to agree with, um, with your fellow um, so-called experts on these things. And it's like, right. well, you, you're, if you don't see it with Zach Wilson, <laughs> well, you don't get it then. Yeah. Yeah. Bro. Do you do you feel like it's clear cut to you or do you think there's this momentum with the with the scouting community that has caused Zach Wilson to I mean clearly vault past Justin Fields which really yeah. doesn't make on face it doesn't make much sense that Zach, no. Justin Fields has fallen the way he has No I mean I I've, I've kind of I've been saying this the whole draft like process that it, it's mystifying to me that we're not actually talking about the Jets having sh- the we're not talking about the Jets they should take Justin Fields. They should take Justin Fields, not Zach Wilson. Like, why are we not having this discussion? We're talking about the 49ers at nauseum, you know, what they're doing at number three. Um, I've been on that train since the start. I, you know, I, I do like, uh, I do like Zach Wilson, but I think, um, you know, there's a, there's a number of things that like worry me a little bit, obviously number one, like the level of competition, the, the like dramatic rise from, from last year to this year. And, and in terms of his performance, um, you know, he had like an, an incredible offensive line that gave him these huge passing lanes, these huge pockets to just sit back there and chuck the ball with. Um, so there's definitely concerns, but like for me, Justin Fields is like, you know, has everything that you want in a prospect. And I don't really understand why he's not the clear cut number two. In fact, earlier like in this process it would have been like trevor lawrence and fields is like 1a 1b and some people i remember last summer some people were talking about fields being number one over trevor lawrence so so i don't know i think it's it's definitely interesting i think the way that wilson plays i think is like people really love that like he carries it low he he plays outside of the like structure he can whip it and like that is very impressive believe me like the, the way he throws is very impressive and i think people are saying oh he could be aaron Rodgers, he could be mahomes um but when I watched him, I saw something more like reminiscent. It, it, he reminded me more of like Baker Mayfield as a prospect, very accurate, good arm. Um, but not like the level of Mahomes, not where you're freaking out and taking him over Justin, Justin Fields. Like, that's just my personal opinion. I want to, I'm going to like, you know, preface all this, or, or I guess postscript all this saying, like I've been humbled in, in the quarterback world, just watching, you know, what Josh Allen has become, what Justin Herbert was last year. I think it's absolutely true. Like we can do all this like research. We can, we can come up with our takes. We can look at like the skill sets, the stats, all that stuff. It's very difficult to predict what a quarterback is going to do because landing spots, very important. The team like surrounding them, the surrounding cast is very important. So um, I'm definitely keeping an open mind with Zach Wilson. Like if he, if he goes and balls out as a rookie and, and just like does what he was doing at BYU, it's not going to be a big surprise to me. Um, but me personally, I just I prefer Justin Fields. I think his skill set's much better. Um, you know, his his ability to run, his his size, his physicality. Um, when he's standing there in the pocket, he reminds me a little bit of Cam Newton. Guys just bounce off of him in the pocket when they try to tackle him. So I, I just I think I, it's it's been mystifying to me that Justin Fields is falling. Um, but that being said, like I'm humble enough to recognize that like quarterback like evaluation is basically impossible. So let's just uh, let's see what happens. Um, I hear you. The one I keep throwing out is he's right-handed Steve Young. That's my most yeah. optimistic comp yeah. that I can make for him. Um, I think he's got that kind of um, that kind of arm um, and accuracy and the ability to run with it. And uh, and obviously that, as I say, is my glass half full comp on Justin. Sure. Sure. One of the one of the twelve best to ever do it. So, um, all right. 
The Cincinnati Bengals is our next team. The AFC mm. North at number five, a lot of buzz about. I, I do love that in our Lord's year 2021, that <laughs> it, it finally got to a place. It, we finally reached a place in society, or at least on social media, where everybody kind of got hip to the fact at the same time, or enough people did, that Oh yeah, it's a crapshoot. It's a completely bogus endeavor to 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 be a draft expert. You know, you're uh, the good ones are right uh, maybe two thirds of the time if you're lucky. Right. Um, so now everybody's figured out the trade back method that this is the savvy play. So now all the savvy fans and experts out there are like, oh, you trade back. That's the right move. That's a smart play here. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that the Bengals should do that. How say you? If you if the Bengals had the first overall. They don't have the fifth pick here. In our case, they have the first overall. Who yeah. should they take? So I think it would be smart for them to trade back and because I mean it's like what we, what you're just insinuating, like have more darts. If you're gonna if if it's all this crap, you like have more sure. opportunities to like guess on guys. Um I think the same guy, the same people that will say that, and I say this all the time too. So like I'm including in this. We also still have opinions on players, and we think someone like I think Fields is better than Zach Wilson's like you know, it, there's a little bit of cognitive cognitive dissonance there because, like, we think we have the answers, but but we're telling the NFL teams to trade back and like just guess essentially. So it's a little bit weird. But I think if you're if you're picking number one, if you're the Bengals, and I think it's actually the same conversation if you're picking number five, they're not taking a quarterback. So to me, what player is going to give you the best chance of improving your offense and and, and you know? making things easier on your quarterback this year. Obviously it's between Jamar Chase, I think, and, and Kyle Pitts and uh, Penny Sewell. I, I, I've, I've gone back and forth with this. I lean Sewell at this point because I think just like give him, give Burrow a clean pocket and he will absolutely pick you apart. I think that's like, you know, that that's, you can say it with a lot of quarterbacks, but I think it's absolutely true with Burrow. I think his, his ability to his accuracy, his decision-making everything under pressure. I think, you know, obviously you don't want him to be pressured, but every quarterback's going to get pressured. If you can at least alleviate some of that, um, I think you could do really good things. And I think there's a lot of really good receivers that you could get in the second round. Um, and, you know, I think the drop off from from like a guy like Sewell to a second round tackle is going to be much greater than the drop off from Chase to a second round receiver, if that makes any sense. So sure it does. No, it I, makes think, sense. Yeah, I think you go Sewell. I, you know, we've talked a lot about this with Jeff Schwartz. And by the way, I, I failed to do it at the top. Uh, so let me do it now. Jeff Schwartz coming out on Fox Sports, his uh, big boys club. Make sure you track that one down on Fox Sports platforms. We're we're happy for our pal here for minus three doing his dream he's doing basically the the Gruden QB camp but for offensive linemen so good stuff there but Schwartz and I have gone back and forth on this all I'll say is and I completely get it and I'm not uh, you know (laughs) playing fantasy football I get that this is actual football with 22 spots to to fill um I I Sewell just better go to the hall of fame with the with the if if Pitts is what he's supposed to be if Pitts is in fact the 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 nightmare matchup to end all nightmare matchups. He's some Calvin, he's some blend between yep. Calvin Johnson and, and uh, um, Rob Gronkowski or whatever. If, if this is who he's going to be, then Sewell better be generationally dominant. Not right. just like, oh, he does a nice job. Yeah. He, helps, helps he better, yeah. he better <laughs> destroy what, however we wish to gauge those things. So, okay. Yeah. I like it. Miami dolphins. Let's say they have mm. the first overall. So, this one I think is very interesting and, and this probably isn't like a hundred percent realistic, but I, I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle because I think the speed element that he would bring to this offense pair Waddle uh, up with Will Fuller. And you have a extremely dynamic, extremely, wow, yeah. extremely dynamic, like receiving core. I think that's just very interesting. Um, they need to do everything that they can do to get like to help to a, in year two, may, help him make that jump. Um, obviously you can make the argument they just should take a quarterback here after watching Tua as a rookie. Um, you can make the argument that they need offensive linemen. Their offensive line isn't like, you know, anything to write home about. Um, but I think just reunite him with a, with a, uh, with a receiver that he obviously has rapport with. He has chemistry with, he can hit the ground running. Um, I think Waddle, when you, when you add in like Devonte Parker, Preston Williams, uh, Mike Kosicki, um, and then Will Fuller, 
he's just like the next, he's like the next little perfect little puzzle piece in that offense in my mind. So um, he, he, he wouldn't be like my top ranked receiver in this group, but like, I, I just think, you know, for the, what they need, for what they, they need, for what they're looking for to do and to complement who they have. Not, and that's maybe not how you should draft, but like put it all together. I think that would make sense. And that would be a lot of fun because he can do, he can do like the short stuff, screens, you know, sweeps, all that stuff, but he also can go deep just the way that they could use him. I mean, you're, ha- you're talking about two elite speed guys on one offense and that's pretty scary. So uh, that would be like a, I think an interesting way to go for them. I, yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if you would have floated a quarterback there. It wasn't that long ago. Those have died yeah. down now over the last uh, six, eight weeks, I guess, related to Deshaun Watson off the field news is why we, that has largely gone away. But yeah, I mean, that uh, everybody not, uh, it doesn't feel like universal stamp of approval for Tua at this point, but right. it, it seems clear that they're going to roll with him. I like it. And, um, there's not really this year, correct me if you, if you see it differently, there's not the, um, there are a couple of interesting guys defensively, but there's not a surefire Derwin James chess piece on defense type of guy out there to, right. to reach for if you're Brian Flores, because as, as clever as he is at scheming it up, if you gave him a player like that uh, it, it, and uh, really play to his strength as a coach, that would be an interesting spot. But I guess, you know, first overall, like we say, we're not going to do that. All right. The New York Giants are next. Eddie Spaghetti, put mm. your ears up. How say you, Danny <laughs> Kelly? Uh, so obviously, you know, like there's the the instant connection offensive line, like the, you know, the the hog mollies. There's no, I don't think there's any defensive tackles in this draft that that Gettleman could legitimately take and, and get away with it at, at first overall. So I'm gonna go with like a wild card here. I'm gonna go with Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. Ooh, there you go. Who. I think could do it. He could wear a number of hats for them. Number one, he could like play off the ball and early downs. You know, he's a very good run defender. Perfect. Like ideal frame, prototype size and, and elite speed range, everything. He's good in coverage. Um, and then I think he also has like the added bonus where he can come in on, on nickel downs and like third downs blitz play off the edge. He's a high school pass rusher. So it adds like a little bit of a, um, like a joker piece on defense. I think they could really use and, and, and go that direction. It's not a, it's not a hog Molly necessarily, but um, I think he could make them, uh, you know, they make, make their defense much more dynamic. What do you think spaghetti? Does that make you feel happy when you hear that? Cause well, that probably is a pick they realistically can make. Right. It's uh, if you go by the reports, the latest reports we've read, there's three players, the giant, the organization likes horn. Um, I know, I know again, they say likes, Parsons and Joe Judge likes Devontae Smith. So there's like mm. three players. The Giants are now currently uh, in the mix. I think also, I think a tackle will be in the mix too if Slater's there. It's yeah. it, they put up a lot of smoke screens, but I'd be fine with Parsons. Do you do you think that uh, it's a factor for Joe Judge and company that Danny Dimes probably can't throw it as far as Devontae Smith can run <laughs> on a, in a in an NFL play? He doesn't want. He doesn't want to answer that. Yeah. See, I'm just pointing to the limitations of your. He won't dignify that with a response. Yeah. No, he won't. No, he won't. <laughs> All right. Let's let's go to uh, down Philadelphia way. Then the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. What if they had the first overall? How say you, Jalen Hurts? Oh man, I find this uninspired. I love the Jalen Hurts story, and you know, it's it really is from. Jalen Hurts to two it and then Mac Jones and I can get swept up in this like ah passenger on a uh, on a juggernaut train like you know you, you uh, De- Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris and a dominant offensive line I could uh, succeed in, at Alabama as well <laughs> but of course Nick Saban doesn't recruit you if you're Mac Jones if you're not also a you know a uh, a gold star pick yourself mm. there it gets it, it, it gets murky for me and yeah. I find myself at you know I, I like some of the moments we saw from Jalen Hurts I, yeah. I mean really you're gonna this is the answer I feel like they kind of know it <laughs> and the rumors that after they trade back to 12 they like they're thinking about trading back into the top 10 they're like what have we done here we better Jalen Hurts is actually gonna be our court we can't go that way we better do something to oh to man I, well, I, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic about Hertz, but maybe that's just like my fantasy mind, like taking over a little bit just because of the way he can run and the way the things yeah. he can do that way. But um, I don't think they would have traded back, though, if they felt that way. Like, right. Why would they trade back if they're sitting at number oh, six? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
regardless, in this exercise, let's assume that they like Hertz because I think that their actions kind of told us that they did. They like him at least for this year. Um, I'm going with Devontae Smith because Hmm. I think he can play all over the formation. I think he, again, this is sort of like the Waddle conversation. I think he's a perfect complement for what they have on offense in terms of Jalen Rager is kind of like a Waddle type player where he's very fast, physical, run after the catch. Um, He gives them that dynamic. But to me, Rager is not a number, like a de facto number one type guy where you can Mm -hmm. like, he's the go-to guy in every situation. I think Devontae Smith is that guy. So, I mean, I guess you could, you could easily make the the argument for, for um, Pitts here too, but I don't know. I'm just going with Smith because I think he can play all over formation. He's a, he's a a go-to guy, you know, third downs, red zone, all that stuff. He can take the top off of defense. Um, I'm not real worried about the skinny, like him being skinny and, and that being a real problem. I just think give, Give Hurts a guy, and again, they have at least they have played together on the same team before, so maybe that's a that's another like boost for him. But uh, going with Devontae Smith, I don't know if this is rudimentary to 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 your ear to anybody else's, but Michael Irvin on extra <laughs> points last week said this, and it was a it was a keen observation. It's not as big an issue with Devontae mm-hmm. Smith as it would have been ten years ago because. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DBs aren't allowed to smack you as hard anymore. So it yep. kind of marginalizes. Right? Like, well, he's, he's only 160 pounds. Yeah, so what? He's not really going to be taking the same level of shots that he might have taken had yeah. he come into the league in, in the year 2000. So, I mean, yeah, right. they're not, the, you, defenders are shrinking, generally speaking, because teams are passing much more. You have to be able to right. cover. You're not like 275. He's not having to go over the middle typically and, and, like taking hits from 270 pound linebackers or, or head hunting safeties. They, they're legislating that out of the game. Uh, and then the other part about it, I think that that is important in this whole process is he has no trouble, at least at what I've seen, getting off line of scrimmage, getting off press, getting into his routes. Um, he, you know, like, like any receiver, I think is he's going to get bumped off his route a little bit here and there. But to me, his ability to get off the line, he's very slick. He's very quick. Um, it's just not been a problem for him. So uh, I don't know why that would all of a sudden become a problem for him at the pros. Obviously you have better defensive backs, but he's played some pretty good defensive backs in his career. He's been durable. Um, I just think, you know, he, he's got, he's, he's so skilled and so talented that he he is that outlier with the size thing. It is. We, we, we've so poo pooed on him because of the draft process that right up yeah. through um, the national title game. He was so much fun to watch. Uh, it'll be fun to return him to into being um, an exciting piece to watch yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. Sundays here. Uh, the New England Patriots, I'm guessing you're going to say Trevor Lawrence here, right? Well, I would, in order to make this more interesting, I think Trevor Lawrence okay, can answer everybody. But I'm going to go with Justin Fields Ooh. because I think, you know, number one, the way, the way that Belichick, I think, has talked about dual threat quarterbacks and guys that can run and get out of situations and make, you know, make the most of a bad situation. So in other words, like if you send like a blitzer up the middle, he can escape. He can, he can keep the play alive. He can, he can do things off script that makes it. So it's like, a, a, it just confounds a de- a, a disciplined defense. And that's, that's what Belichick likes to have disciplined defense and things that, you know, players that can do that and confound a, a good disciplined defense i think is just so hard to plan for and hard to hard to defend and we've heard belichick sort of like sing the praises of these guys over the years so i'm going with fields because he number one he's sort of similar to cam newton like i said earlier like you don't have to change your offense a ton like if you could if you want to install the offense start with cam newton if things go great you can sit justin fields for a year and be happy um but if things go awry and things go off the the off the rails with Newton, like fields can run that offense that they do, like including all the run game stuff where he's, you know, a, a big part of the run game. So um, I'm going with that because I think number one, it, it, it fits what Belichick is looking for and, and is open to, you know, obviously he's had Brady for 20 years. And so like, he hasn't really had to think about that stuff, but you know, they're, they're creative. I think that they're, you know, open to the idea that you can, you can really do a lot with that type of quarterback. And um I do think Fields is like he also fits like the passing stuff. Like Belichick wants a good decision maker. He wants a guy that's not going to turn the ball over. I think Fields fits those too. I agree with both of those, and I also think I keep saying this. And you know, we've talked to get with guys who are close to Belichick and who see it both who see it in different ways. Like Mike Tannenbaum said. Oh, Belichick doesn't care what Brady's doing in Tampa. Ross Tucker, (laughs) oh, he cares very deeply about what's happening down in in Tampa. Of course, this impacts his legacy. I think there would be something to Belichick if if you buy the latter that he cares. 
I think it would be I, I, in his head. It would be nice to show the football world. I can do it with two different styles. Right. For sure. So, yeah. Um, I, I skipped over the Dallas Cowboys. Let's uh, let's address that team real quick here. How say you if they had the first overall? If they had the first overall pick, man, this is tough because I, I feel like they're such a wild card. They're they're the type of team that's not afraid to like take a take a non need. I mean, we saw them with CD Lamb. That wasn't like no one was thinking they were going to take a receiver in the first round, but CD Lamb fell to them and they did it. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts because we've heard, you mm-hmm. know, number one uh, that, uh, and I'm completely. Jerry Jones is uh, how could I forget Jerry Jones's name? I don't know what the hell is going on with me, but um, even Jones' heard, dad just called him out. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that he is enamored with Pitts, and I, you know, if you really if you look at that offense, like really the only thing they don't have is an elite tight end. So like, screw it, let's go for it. Let's just score fifty points a game. Our defense will give up forty, but whatever, we'll score fifty. <laughs> I know the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys winning the Super Bowl this year. No, well then just play fifty forty eight games and delight. <laughs> And delight America. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, from Dallas, let's go to their arch rival, Washington. How mm. say you if they had the first overall? It's got to be QB. Yeah. I would probably go like, again, a boring, boring pick would be to go with Trevor Lawrence. So let's not do that. Let's go with Trey Lance. And here's the reason why. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, has uh, the type of skill set. Again, it's like going back to it when Ron Rivera was with Cam Newton in Carolina. He has the skill set where they can design a, an offense where the quarterback is a part of the run game. It makes it very, very difficult for, for defenses to, to match up with that. You know, Trey Lance comes from an offense in college where they were very run heavy. Um, they used him in the run game. He scored a ton of touchdowns on the ground. Like um, he's a ridiculously good runner, you know, very powerful runner. Um, everything we've heard about him, he's very smart, like football IQ through like off the charts. And, the other thing is like the big worry with him is obviously he only has 17 starts on his resume. He hasn't thrown that many passes in his career, both in, in college and in high school. In fact, he was like on a really run heavy high school team. Um, so I think giving him a year to sit and learn and, and obviously, you know, they can see what they can do this year with Fitzmagic. And I think, you know, Fitzmagic is a great bridge quarterback for the future for them. And they could get, you know, get Trey Lance in there, get him comfortable in their scheme, get him into their offense, have him get reps and practice, all that stuff. Um, and then kind of go with him in 2022. Um, but for, for year one, they probably stick with Fitz. All right. I know we're going to go quarterback here. Well, I'm not positive. It's 2021. All right. It's September. Autumn has (laughs) arrived. The Steelers fancy themselves contenders, at least for the division, maybe even for the Super Bowl. Who do they take first overall as they look out into the great unknown with Roethlisberger on his last legs? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you set it up perfectly for me to take a non quarterback because they think they can they can, you know, squeeze out another elite year or whatever from from Roethlisberger. I'm going to go with. Rashawn Slater. Well, I think Penny oh. Sewell probably would be an interesting one too, but I'm going to go with Rashawn Slater because, and I say this because I think some teams have him graded higher. I, the wins are what the rumors of what we heard, which is kind of like, I guess it's a hot take, but we've had some teams actually have Slater higher than Sewell, which is um, a big surprise, I think, for a lot of people. But I think the reason I want to go with Sewell is number one, he's not just, he doesn't, he, he brings the ability to play kind of like any position on that offense line. Some people even think he could be a center. So like wherever he fits best as a rookie, plug him in there. Immediately their offensive line is better. Immediately the protection is better around Rosberg and, and significantly their, their run game can improve. They don't have spent. I don't think they have spent a first round pick on a running back. I think they want to get the, the protection, the offensive line, better and then they can have like a second third fourth round running back and and he can do just fine in that so that would be i think it probably wouldn't be the right move for them like long term because then you really got to figure out what you're doing at quarterback after offsberger retires but um i think it would make them a very good team in in 2021 and and that's probably what they want to do don't sleep on this possibility though that if they do fix the offensive line and really uh give number seven, an extra beat to throw the ball. Um, I, I'm not going to be stunned if it's if it turns around and they have a decent season, a double-digit win season, that they say, we're going to run it back in 2022 with Roethlisberger now. <laughs> yeah. Really, if they fix that offensive line, why not try for an Elway in the twilight of his career, yeah. turning around and handing the ball off to somebody um, and riding a good defense? Um, at uh, Well, at number one, again, first overall, here come – 
the team that should be the prohibitive favorite in my book to win the AFC North right now, the Cleveland Browns. How say mm, you? Mm. So, Ravens still ahead of them in uh, on FanDuel as uh, as the division favorite, which surprises me. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm going to go with I, I can't remember if I ever, actually have already picked him or not, but I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts because I think this team is it's it's a balanced team. They do a lot of play action stuff. Um, a lot of their offense flows through the tight end position. Um, you know, and I think that Baker Mayfield would mesh with them really well, Kyle Pitts. So I think so like their ability to put him out there, he's he's not a dominant blocker in the run game, but he's he's adequate. He can go out there, you can like run him out there and, and ask him, you know, to like cut off a guy on the backside or whatever, and he's gonna do just fine. Um, but what he can do in the passing game on play action, uh, you can line him up all over the formation. I think it'd be exactly what they need. I don't think um, they have anybody on the roster right now that's really like that. I know that they spent a first-round pick on Njoku a couple of years ago, but he hasn't really been what people thought he was going to be. Um, and he's he's you know coming up on the end of his contract. So I think you know having a dynamic playmaker like that, you got you know Odell, you got Landry. Um, they don't really have a number three receiver on the team or like a clear cut guy. People's Jones maybe might turn into that or something, but um, yeah, I'm going to go with pitch just because he could be like a de facto go-to guy in their passing game. And I think that's exactly what they need to like take that next level jump next year. I'll throw it out just for fun. I'll say uh, Micah Parsons here makes some sense. Yeah, linebacker. Um, yeah. I, I kind of like that. I, you know, well, let's see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm going to end up with egg on my face because the offensive line is so good. We're never, I'm never going to get to be proven right. Reality has shown us if you get after Baker Mayfield, if you, if you heat him up with the pass rush, he becomes very bad at throwing the ball. Um, But he, he, he's rarely going to be under pressure like that with that offensive line. So it's a moot point. I think they, they, I mean, obviously they're going to extend them given how the end of last season went, but I think there is a significant upgrade to be had there. If if they ever, if free agency or otherwise dents that offensive line, um, I think the, the uh, um, uh, equation gets very different up there. I I just, I, I, I'm not a huge Mayfield believer at this point. I'm also I was a huge believer in Lamar Jackson, but I do think, as I keep saying, diminishing returns there and the front seven for Baltimore for the defense is a real question as as constituted right now. We'll see what ads they make late in free agency. The Baltimore Ravens first overall. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, defensively, it would make sense for them to try and get a big time like difference maker. But I don't think there's any edge guy or defensive tackle, really, that would be like be the number one pick in this draft that, that really be worth it. Um, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. I'm surprised he actually didn't come up earlier in this because I think that's a good one, right? The one that, that I think the thing, the thing that Lamar really needs is like this, this, uh, you know, ball winner bully, like a that's bully right. at the catch point. guy. So right. People keep talking about speed. It's like, you, you know, they have that guy already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But mixed results, but yeah. right. Yeah. And I think he, he would compliment Marquise Brown really well yeah. too. It's like, but like, um, you know, Lamar, it's he, Jamar Chase is the kind of guy where you can literally just like throw in his direction. He's going to beat up the cornerback in front of him and get the ball. Um, you know, he's good deep. I think he's actually a very effective deep passer and they do need that, but like he's, he's an alpha on the outside. He can, he can line up, you know, and, and um, basically just overpower. He's a power player. And I think uh, that's exactly kind of what they need in their offense. You get too many like uh, finesse type guys, I think. And, and so, or at least the receivers um, and getting a guy of physicality, he can run after catch, do all that stuff. Um, he's a ball winner. He's, he's really good in the red zone, all that stuff. It's exactly what they need. I mean, you know, it's, it's a sort of a, like almost cliche talking point at this point, but like, you know, we saw the difference that a guy like uh, Stefan Diggs made in the Bills Bills offense last year, having like a true number one, a guy that like you can rely on in those high leverage situations. The Bills or the Ravens don't have a guy like that. Like I, I love Marquise Brown. Like I wanted him to be like a superstar in the NFL, um, but so far he hasn't been reliable really. And so um, get a guy like Jamar Chase in there, and I think he could be that guy and, and open up everything for everyone else too. It is weird that uh, of the most coveted pieces for pro football teams, you don't hear that particular type of wide receiver. Uh, just a tick down. The Ravens took a good run at Juju Smith-Schuster, but absolutely, Akeem Nix is uh, mm-hmm. a major factor in the Giants winning that second Super Bowl. Anquan Bolden for the Ravens doing Bolden. it. 
Um, You know, uh, that that type of receiver specifically, especially with the way, um, you know, Lamar Jackson has performed outside the hashes, throwing the ball and otherwise. Yeah, yeah, the combat catch guy is uh, exactly it seems what they need. I agree with you there. And lastly, the Buffalo Bills, perhaps. At least in my book, I think the Chargers beat the Chiefs. And if Justin Fields goes to the Broncos, that division is going to be crazy out West. So if I'm right about that, that would then make the Bills ascend to the best favorite to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. What do they need at number one overall? They're a very complete team. I think, you know, you can make the argument like they need a running back, but based on everything we talked about earlier in the pod, I'm not going to say give them a running back with the first overall pick. I think they, you know, where they could upgrade is maybe at that cornerback um and you know i think that means either uh patrick sertain or jc horn and it just kind of depends on who you like i'm gonna go with horn here i think i love sertain i like both of these guys a lot i think they're both gonna be really good players in the pros but i think uh horn is just number one very physical extremely athletic uh, he can play in different in, in any different coverage, really, whether it's off or, or press or whatever. And he, he's he's a physical tackler. He, you know, he he's a little inconsistent as a tackler, but I've seen him like blow up the guy in front of him and like make big plays. So I know he has it in him. Um, but I just think in that defense, getting a guy opposite uh, Tre'Davious White kind of like completes the picture on defense. Um, and again, I you know they're they're getting a little bit old in the front seven, but I w- I wouldn't say there's a guy you know the edge rusher or a defensive tackle worth taking the first overall. So I would go with I'm going to go with J C Horn. I love it. Look at you. So you're a champ because <laughs> you varied it. You, you you didn't go just with the same guys who you really like yeah, uh, every time. To do that. <laughs> Kyle Pitts would probably be the guy here, right? Wouldn't that like a that would be that, fun as hell? Yeah, that yeah. I mean, we, we, imagine that guy. You couldn't like try just try to throw it over his head, Josh Allen. You can't. Seriously, that would seriously. be a, that would be a fun game. I mean, this is a team also that I think passing rate was like one of the highest passing rate teams in the NFL last year. So sure, yeah, that's probably a better one. Um, good time. Oh, you know what? For fun, why don't you do your team, the Seattle Seahawks? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think I would go with uh, Penny Sewell. I think they need an offensive line. Like I talked about this earlier, but like Russell Wilson, if you want him to cook, like give him an offensive line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he he will pick you apart if he has time. We've seen that time and again. Um, so I think that would be like the easy thing. And th- they want to be a run heavy team. They want to be balanced. I think it just makes most sense. Well, I agree. I can't believe that you have the <laughs> franchise QB, the the guy of your dreams. He's taking you to two Super Bowls. It's been a long time since he made a deep playoff run. I'm sure you've uh, yeah, yeah. you've observed that. But then he says <laughs> this offseason directly again, 18 months after he said, "I want to get traded to the Giants." Now he's with the. Now he goes to them and says, "You got to fix this offensive line, or I want out of here." And they do pretty much nothing to address it. How, well, how yeah, we got. We got- they got I Gabe Jackson. I think that's that's a decent okay. move. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, in the off in in this draft, I imagine they'll probably try and pick an offensive lineman with their first pick, or if they don't trade back, maybe they still they trade back and then also take an offensive lineman. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's it's Russell Wilson. The story of his career has been he's always running for his life, um, and but the times when he's been protected and and he's been you know clean in the pocket, he just time and time again will pick apart a defense. So uh, yeah. We like uh, we like to do the deep future plays here, the deep future props here. So we'll have to hit up FanDuel and I don't know, somewhere between a dozen to 21 years from now. (laughs) Is Trevor Lawrence in the Hall of Fame? Open up the time capsule there, Eddie Spaghetti. Get this over. These are the deep, the deep, deep (laughs) player props. Yay or nay, Danny Kelly, Trevor Lawrence, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yes. All right. And um, I was going to throw one more Seattle Seahawk at you, um, but we'll leave it there. The, uh, the yeah, oh, that's who it is. DK Metcalf. DK Ooh, Metcalf. Is Hall, of Fame? Hall of Fame. No. Ooh. I think. I think. I this is going to be terrible. I don't know if he'll play long enough. I'm I'm worried that he's going to be a little bit like Des Bryant stylistically, where if he loses a little bit of a step, he's not going to be quite as dangerous. Does that make sense? Is he, sure. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's so explosive. He's like just drag racer acceleration. That's part of the big, like a big part of the reason he's so good. But if he, if he's, I don't know if he has like necessarily the skill set to play like 15, 12, 12 years in the league or whatever, and put up enough points and yards and all that touchdowns best, and yards, I should say. Best Seahawks uniforms of all time. <clears throat> 
Oh, easily the uh, the royal blue and silvers. I, I don't know what they're called, but um, I call them the Jim Zorns. But they've go. got to be. Yeah. But they've got to have the black shoes and the gray face masks, not the eighties blue face mask. That yeah. gets too far. They 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 become self aware when they start putting the Seahawks <laughs> logo on the shirt sleeves and obscuring the stripes on the uh, on the jerseys. Uh, so that that they've already got wow. too far. So okay. that. That's, I agree with uh, you. I agree with that fully. That's my and last question for you, Danny Kelly. With all this numbers movement, we hail Patrick Peterson jumping to number seven. It's the best number to wear uh, across the sports landscape. It works for any of the four major sports. What number would Danny Kelly wear if he were drafted into the NFL? <laughs> uh, the number I always wore growing up was twenty because I love Gary Payton. Okay, so twenty. Well, you've been like a glove. You've covered everything that we needed covered here among our divisions. We appreciate it. Good luck to your Kraken. Good luck. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Good luck to the rest of it. Someday maybe, uh, you know, we'll have a nice Portland v. Uh, Seattle NHL series to look forward to. In the meantime, we'll look forward to continuing to look at all of Danny Kelly and the rest of the Ringers' great work as, uh, as draft day approaches make sure you're checking it all out and we appreciate uh, the time today danny kelly Good to keep it with you finally after listening to you and uh crossing paths with you here and there uh across uh, the football calendar yeah absolutely i appreciate it thank you there he goes eddie spaghetti what do you think shoot straight he's gone he's off now you can you can tell the truth did you like him I thought it was awesome. I mean, great for a time guest. Uh, you give him the very, very difficult task of redrafting for every team, almost every team with the number one overall pick. And he gave it like a different answer for each team with a, like a detailed response. So that was, that was uh, really, really cool by him. And I, you know, you, you brought up the crack and early on, I'm glad he's become a Kraken fan. I had a quick trip to Seattle and I must say like, you know, obviously everyone knows New Yorkers are hardcore sports fans, Boston fans, everyone, you know, you're Pittsburgh Steelers. But something about Seattle, I landed there and everyone is just wearing Seahawks jerseys and it's like everything in the whole city is just plastered with like Seahawks logos. Like everyone there cares about their team. And I think, you know, embracing a new franchise, a new hockey franchise, I think it's perfect for them. It's going to be a wild place. So I'm glad he uh, is going to become a fan now. It's funny. It does have that uh, Northeast intensity to it with uh, where, where it's pro football teams concerned. Yeah. The ingenious marketing thing was the 12s thing. Cause everybody walks around with, uh, with the 12th man football jerseys on. That's uh, that's fantastic. And also you take away the Sonics all of a sudden don't know what you got till it's gone. Like they're going to be super hardcore in the, into the crack and just like they are, I don't Absolutely. even know what it's what's it called? The major? I don't even know the name of our soccer league. That's embarrassing. I don't know. The MLS. Nation, the MLS. That's right. I was going to call it the major <laughs> soccer league. Whatever. Anyhow. All right. Listen, dandy stuff with Danny Kelly. We have another episode coming at you in just two days from now. We're doing it all in advance to, uh, to leave the runway free for um, all the guys getting drafted there on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Speaking of which, I think I'm going to be joining our pal Joey Molinaro. Um, from Barstool, of course, um, on Friday for his draft coverage. Sure, uh, he focuses, forget just AFC North, he focuses just on the Steelers. So that'll be fun to chop it up with him as uh, the Steelers go through the second and third round picks. And of course, looking forward to chopping it up as always with Kevin Hench on our second podcast. Go back and listen to last week's gangbusters stuff as always there. Speaking of gangbusters, extra points. Monday, we uh, were joined by Hall of Famer Kurt Warner to talk about the QBs in this draft class. Me and Cousin Sal there. And then Michael Irvin, speaking of Hall of Famers, joined us last week. All worth your time if you are interested in pro football and what's upcoming in the draft. Make sure you check it out. We'll be back, like I say, in 48 hours or fewer in your ears. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Danny Kelly, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>